Welcome to this clinical law briefing. My name is Robert Wheeler. I work in Southampton as a children's surgeon and clinical lawyer and hope this podcast concerning a legal aspect of clinical life will interest you. This is a briefing relating to next of kin. Whether admission to our hospital is recorded on paper or electronically, we faithfully record the patient's next of kin. Is this useful information? Patients may naturally wish to identify a person for the hospital to contact, useful for arranging their discharge, or to deal with other domestic arrangements. The clinicians will also wish to have a nominated person with whom they can communicate if their patient deteriorates to the point where his or her capacity is lost. Who should the patient, on being admitted, identify as their next of kin? The simple answer is anyone they choose. Ideally, a person who is readily contactable and whom the patient is confident will act in a sensible way. The difficulty is that since the next of kin has no legal status, being undefined in English law, there is no other guidance we can give. In particular, there is no distinction between blood relatives, family, friends and acquaintances. The person who will best do the job may be entirely unrelated to the patient, Perhaps it's the man who walks a dog. Since the role is not defined in law, it is unsurprising that the next of kin has no powers. However, clinicians must seek information as to the wishes and feelings and beliefs of an incapacitated patient. It is sensible to begin this search with the person nominated as next of kin, though that quest may well become more extensive. We have all seen the distress and disruption caused when a patient identifies as their next of kin, someone of whom factions in the family strongly disapprove. This can lead to unseemly dispute, and clinicians should liaise with the nominee, whilst advising them to share the information they have been given with the rest of the family. This is doubtless a difficult situation, sharpened by the general public's certain but mistaken belief that the next of kin has determinative status. A rather easier situation arises when the patient has arrived lacking capacity, unable to pronounce on a next of kin. The hospital record may thus stand empty, or the most interested accompanying person, whether that's a relative or otherwise, may have identified themselves and they now appear on the record. This is a self-appointment and it may not sit well with the subsequently attending family members. In either situation, all those who befriend the patient should be given the same information, bearing in mind the obvious rules on confidentiality. Since the patient has not identified a particular spokesman, we are unable to do this on his or her behalf. In practical terms, when faced with numerous befrienders, the simplest course is to suggest to the first few seeking information that they spread what news can be disclosed to those who are interested. The next of kin originated in English property disputes in the 16th century, and to this day provides in American statute an order of precedence for those relatives wishing to inherit property from a person who dies intestate. The situation is similar in Ireland. By contrast, English intestacy rules stipulate who will inherit an individual's estate, but not in terms of next of kin. 
The phrase itself has not appeared in the English statute book for many years. The Mental Health Act of 1959 and its latest successors defines a nearest relative, and the Human Tissue Act 2000 notes qualifying relationships. This names only two of many statutes where interpersonal relationships are of vital importance, but in which no recognition is given to next of kin. Judges use the phrase in court, but only as plain language, giving it no specific legal meaning. Any adult, including a clinician, might ponder who they would wish to nominate in the event of their own incapacity. One answer lies in the lasting power of attorney, a creation of the Mental Capacity Act 2005. The lasting power will allow us all to identify a person who can represent our wishes, and in some cases our refusal of treatment, on the advent of our incapacity. Providing the donee of the lasting power of attorney with powers which are entirely unavailable to the next of kin. I hope this was useful, but if you would prefer to read rather than to listen to me, by all means look at the Clinical Law website on the UHS webpage, or type Clinical Law into a search engine.